how can we know the way? It's a good question. How are the disciples supposed to know the way? How are we supposed to know the way? The disciples desperately want to know how they can find a way to go where Jesus is going. They're dealing with the troubling prospect of carrying on their ministry without him. For some time now, Jesus has been dropping ominous hints that he's going to leave them. And after years of thrilling events and quiet companionship together, they are wondering how they will cope with being separated from Jesus. Many of us are facing some similar anxieties right now. We are separated from each other. We're separated from our church community. We're separated from people we love and people we rely on. Most of us are wondering, how are we going to cope with this separation? Many of us are wondering, how much longer will it be? And what will coming back together even look like? How can we know the way? Thomas asks this question on behalf of the whole group of disciples, and I think he also asks it for us. I'm grateful to Thomas for getting right in there and saying it out loud, because even though Jesus started this whole thing with, do not let your hearts be troubled, Thomas is still having trouble, and so am I. Even though generations of Christians have gone to this passage for comfort, Thomas is not yet feeling the comfort. In my father's house, there are many dwelling places. But for me, too, the idea of many separate dwelling places isn't comforting right now. I really just want a time when it's safe to be in one dwelling place or one church building together. So many of them, not so much. Thomas doesn't share my particular pandemic anxieties about separation from companions, separation from a church community. His problem is that he doesn't know how to get to the place where Jesus is going. He doesn't know how to be with Jesus after Jesus departs. But on some level, Thomas is dealing with the same problem we are. It's a problem of presence. How can we be with each other? How can we be with Jesus? This problem of presence is really hard to deal with. We don't know how it's going to work. We don't know the way forward. Like Thomas, many of us are troubled to our cores, even though Jesus just said not to be troubled. And we can't be magically untroubled just because someone, even if it's Jesus, told us to stop being troubled. But when I step back and look at Jesus in this story, I don't think Jesus would ask us to will our troubles away by trying harder. Jesus is a compassionate teacher who understands our trouble. When I talked about this gospel story with Jane Heath, she shared the insight that Jesus here sounds like a mother gently and patiently explaining something difficult to a child. I agree that that's the tone. And not only does Jesus treat others with gentleness, 
But Jesus in this gospel is also a person who has to deal with his own very real emotional trouble. A few chapters back in John, Jesus weeps for the death of a friend. Just a few minutes before the part we're reading, Jesus is having a conversation with the disciples about his coming betrayal, and he is deeply troubled in spirit. So Jesus fully understands our trouble, and Jesus isn't expecting us to become less troubled by sheer force of will or to find a simple fix for all of our problems. Jesus is not that person who thinks that you're overreacting and that all of your troubles will be solved if you practice better self-care or work on your prayer life more or finally get into baking sourdough, as great as all of those things might be. Jesus is not just telling us to buck up and stop being troubled. Instead, Jesus offers genuine comfort. He has just washed the disciples' feet in a profound act of love, and here he assures them that he's not abandoning them, that they can still be with him. And when Thomas is worried that they don't know the way to where Jesus is going, Jesus answers, I am the way. It's Jesus who is the way. The way to be with Jesus, even though he's leaving, isn't a place the disciples have to go or a formula they have to memorize. For us, the way is not any of our strategies for finding connection. It's not finally finding out the plan for a safe reopening as much as we want that. It's not a day of motivated work or super effective homeschooling. It's not a Zoom call where everyone finally figures out how to mute and unmute their mics properly. It's not a live-streamed service from St. John's Ross. These things are good and worth our effort, and we can find God in them. But at the same time, our efforts to connect are not in themselves what makes God's presence real. That's Jesus. It's Jesus who is the way. It's the abiding spirit who does the work of connecting us all together in one body, of making God present to us. This is the comfort that Jesus offers to Thomas's trouble about separation. Jesus is how we find the presence of God. When we know Jesus, there is an invitation to dwell with, to abide with, to live with God in the fullness of the Trinity. If we read on a little further to the next chapter, Jesus makes the invitation directly, dwell in me as I dwell in you. The idea of dwelling with has a particular resonance for me right now when our communities are dispersed. We can't practice the same kinds of connection that we did before this crisis, but many of us are also finding new ways of dwelling together. I miss being at coffee hour with you, having a cup of tea, just hearing how you're doing. I think back to the parish retreat in September when many of us gathered on the lawn at the bishop's ranch and feasted together and talked. In my own community, I'm remembering times of hospitality when we gathered in each other's apartments or on campus. 
And I'm grieving the loss of meals and celebrations together in these months. And I'm learning that some of you are also grieving the loss of togetherness at Mother's Day, birthdays, and celebrations. And at the same time, many of us are finding consolation and connection in the midst of a troubling time. I've reconnected with some old friends lately. I'm rediscovering the joys of handwritten letters. I was talking with Ethan Detmer this week, and he shared the great, deep joy that he's feeling in being able to spend time with family in this time. Even amid the larger uncertainties of the pandemic, even amid concern for those suffering, he's leaning into this joy, and maybe some of you are as well. Right now, I'm living with this mixture. I'm grateful for the connection that I find And I'm also grieving because it's so important to me to eat together, to dwell together, to know each other in connection and togetherness and feasting. And maybe you're dealing with a similar mixture of grief and gratitude. Or maybe you're feeling the gratitude side or the grief side weighing more heavily on you today. And yet, whatever our experience of togetherness might be now, Jesus invites us to another way of dwelling together and dwelling with God. And Jesus is the way to this dwelling. The Father dwells in Jesus and Jesus in the Father. That kind of dwelling with goes on even after Jesus is physically separated from the disciples. And we become part of that dwelling as the Holy Spirit abides in us. This is a closeness, a mutuality, a kind of dwelling together that transcends physical space. When Jesus says that there are many dwellings in the Father's house, scholars have debated whether we should think about these many dwellings as something that's after death or something that's about the present time or something that's both. And I tend to be in the both camp, to nobody's surprise. I think that it's a dwelling with God that's eternal and that's also something that starts now. In my reading, the many dwellings Jesus offers are not separate vacation homes off in the afterlife where we can be far apart. They're dwellings within God's mutuality. The way that the Creator and Christ and the Spirit dwell in each other is not just one thing. It's a dwelling that's endlessly multiplied and echoed and interconnected. The fact that there are many dwellings isn't about separation, but about more connection, the many ways that we dwell with God. And Jesus has gone ahead to prepare that dwelling for us. Jesus is the way we come into this reality. Jesus draws us together to the Father's dwellings. And Jesus draws us to this dwelling both in the joyful connections that we feel with each other and in our places of grief and separation. This isn't to say that, this isn't to deny that physical separation matters. It does matter, and I believe that Jesus, who's the Word made flesh, fully understands how much it matters. And I hope for the time when we as a church can dwell together both spiritually and physically. 
But for now, I hope that we can rest in the comfort Jesus offers, the comfort that Thomas had trouble hearing at first, the comfort that we dwell in God, the comfort that Jesus is the way to that dwelling. And if we can't rest in that comfort, God understands and God chooses to dwell with us even in our restlessness. Jesus speaks these words of comfort to us in our uncertainty and separation as well as in our abiding joy. You know the way because Jesus is the way. Where Jesus is, there we will be also. The Spirit abides with us, and we abide with the Spirit. Amen.